This is an elephant speak. You're talking about finding reality. For the disclaimer, the In Search of Reality podcast and its host does not necessarily believe in or claim that our guests' opinions and stories are a representation of our own views. The podcast, however, is dedicated to giving people a right to speak and share their stories. The In Search of Reality podcast and its host may neither agree or disagree with episode content, but does respect the opinions, worldviews, religious ideals, and information that our guests provide. We believe in freedom of speech and a right to an opinion. I'd like to share an important message. The In Search of Reality podcast is a proud partner of the nonprofit organization Lotus Rising International. They are raising the awareness of child sex trafficking. They are on a rescue and recovery mission to help the victims of these crimes begin to rebuild and empower their lives. This nonprofit, nonpolitical organization is for only the children and helping the children obtain their needs and goals. If you would like to check more of their work out or donate to help the victims rebuild, you can go to www.insearchofrealitypodcast.com under contact partners, just click on the link, or you can simply visit www.lotusrisinginternational.org. Please give and spread the word. This episode is brought to you by Black Oxygen Organics. This product is 100% organic vegetative source. The benefits of fulvic acid that offer electrolytes deliver usable oxygen directly into the cells. Over 70 trace minerals that helps reduce oxidative stress, alkalizes the system, helps with circulation, balancing hormones, and improves brain function. Things like memory and mood. Fulvic acid also helps reduce toxins, heavy metals, pesticides, enhances gut flora, 
and improves your immune system. My personal experience, I have been able to improve my health through the use of balancing my blood sugar through diet, exercise, and the use of this wonderful product, Black Oxygen. Get you some today. It will improve your overall health greatly. Please click on the link in the show notes, Black Oxygen Organics, or simply go to InSearchOfRealityPodcast.com in the About section under Partners. Click on the link, check out the testimonials, and start living for a healthier tomorrow today. Hello, folks, and welcome to the show. This week, we have another exciting guest on the line, um, New York Times bestselling author of Imagine Heaven, over 800,000 copies sold. Imagine Heaven has hundreds of stories of near-death experiences, also author of No Perfect People Allowed, What's Afterlife, and Imagine Heaven Devotional. Also, he is the founder of Gateway Church. He has studied near-death experience for years, I, I believe maybe even decades. Um, I'd like to welcome John Burke to the show. How are you doing, John? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, and uh, how are things in, in your area of the world these days? Well, I'm, uh, I'm in Austin, and, uh, you know, it's COVID, but... The good part for Austin is when we go into the winter, it gets warm. Uh, it gets nice. It gets less warm. It's burning, burning up in August. So the nice weather comes in the winter. So people actually get out more. <laughs> so I guess right. that, that might be a good thing. That is a, that is a good thing. Get some sunshine, some vitamin D. Yeah. Uh, so, John, let me ask you, I guess, what's your background? Um, just to kind of let the listeners know, where do you kind of come from? How did I get into all this? The yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. How did you get into all this, or even just you know, what is your background as? As yeah. are you a researcher? Are you a uh, you well, know? I was. You started I, I a actually church. studied engineering. Um, that was my. Yeah, that was my uh, my major in college, and I worked as an engineer for a number of years. Um, and you know, uh, quite honestly, I mean, if you had asked me back then if I would ever. You know, if you told me you'll one day be uh, a New York Times bestselling author and a pastor of a church and you will have spoken to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, I would have laughed out loud because um, I was terrified of public speaking. And, uh, you know, I, I made all A's and B's in, in like science engineering. My only C ever was in English composition. <laughs> so writing was out of the question. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, sometimes life takes a, a different turn, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then kind of what, what led you to start studying NDEs? I mean, was it a personal experience that you had yourself or? No, I've never, I've never had that experience, but you know, like, like you said, I mean, it was over 35 years ago. Um, I was at that point, I was, an agnostic and uh you know i've always had an engineering mind so i've always wanted to know why and i think you know i i told you um you know we we started a church eventually for people like me who had doubts and questions and it you know uh it just blind faith didn't make sense it had to make sense and um so back then uh i just was kind of like you know i don't know maybe there's a god maybe not jesus probably you know just a myth you know a, another good man turned into a god that that was kind of where i was coming from and um my dad was dying of cancer 
and someone gave him the the first research on near-death experiences, the, the, the booklet that basically defined the term near-death experience. And, um, and I read it, I saw it on his nightstand. And I read it one night and I said, oh my gosh, like maybe this God Jesus stuff is real because of how many of them talked about that. And, you know, I mean, that started to open me up. And, uh, and, and then over the course of several years for actually other reasons, I became convinced that, um, that there really was a God and that he really had revealed himself through Jesus. And, um, I eventually, I ended up leaving, uh, engineering, uh, a career in engineering and, uh, and ended up going into ministry to help people who are skeptical and have doubts and questions because I felt like I found so much like real solid evidence that this is real and this is true. And, and I was kind of like, why did, why was there no one to explain this to me? And so that was, that was pretty much my, my motivation. And for the last 30 years, uh, I have also been studying uh, these near death experiences and, and particularly, you know, people who clinically have died, um, their heart has stopped beating or, or their brainwave ceased. And I'm talking minutes, in some cases, hours. And yet modern medicine or the miraculous resuscitates them. And they come back. And uh, after studying over a thousand of them and what they say, uh, you know, in Imagine Heaven, I tried to show the commonalities all across the globe. And what, you know, as a, as a pastor, what, I'm, what I was trying to show is that I've studied the world's religions. And when I look at what the expectations are, I was blown away uh, at how much it aligns with what God has revealed uh, in, in, in the Old Testament and, and the New Testament, the Bible, uh, the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures. And so I'm showing how, uh, how it aligns, really, how the, the expectation of the life to come, which, by the way, you know, if, if, if listeners are hearing that, that may actually not be very accurate because <laughs> I had a very uh, wrong impression uh, from a cursory reading of the Bible of what the life to come would be like. Because, because people haven't studied it. They haven't really looked at it. So I was trying to show through the eyes of people who have actually been there that, look, this is what they're talking about. You know, this is what, this is what God has been revealing to us all along, that, um, man, there, there is a God who loves every single one of us more than we can possibly imagine. In fact, the love we're all longing for is because that's, that's the love we were created for. And, um, and, that's what, and that's what they're showing. And that, and that is true all over the globe. That's what just blew me away. Yeah, most people do tend to have similar experiences or stuff that, that are, that's real similar. Now, what are some of the things that you know, you're, you're talking about that kind of you can compare and look at and say, all right, this, this, this is telling me that you know, God does exist or that you know, there is an afterlife after this? Well, I mean, yeah, I have lots of, lots of reasons, but um, what I write about in, in Imagine Heaven is uh, this recent, after studying over a thousand of these people who have had near-death experiences. And by the way, um, you know, I've, inter I've interviewed uh, doctors, on oncologists, uh, surgeons who have had these experiences, um, com 
commercial airline pilots, uh, pastors. Um, I mean, these are v all kinds of, uh, of people, all kinds of backgrounds, tenured college professors. I mean, people who, to talk about having one of these experiences only hurts their credibility in their career. It doesn't help it. And yet they talk about it because they say it was actually more real than, than this life, which is hard to, I mean, how can, how can you have something more real, right? But after interviewing a thousand of them, I'm convinced that I can only explain it by analogy. So, you know, we live in three dimensions of space, one dimension of time, right? Time only moves one direction, moment by moment, you can't go back. You can only go one way. Right. Uh, and we have three dimensions of space. But imagine if our experience were actually being lived out in a, in a flat black and white uh, two-dimensional painting on a wall. Okay. So just imagine. So all, everything we're experiencing is on a flat black and white two-dimensional painting. Death means separation. So when we die, our, our soul is separated from our bodies, right? So imagine at death, you're ripped off that two-dimensional flat black and white painting. You're brought out into this three-dimensional world that's all around you. And now you are experiencing new dimensions. You're, you're not just flat, right? Right. And, and, but you can see your flat world because your flat world was contained within this room of three dimensions. It's just a, a, a limited version of this greater experience. Now imagine getting pressed back into the flat two-dimensional painting and you have to explain your experience of three dimensions of color, but in two-dimensional black and white terms. Like, how would you do it? That's a and, great analogy. I've never, I've never heard it put quite like that. And that, that, that kind of makes sense because I've heard like people say that there is colors almost that like we, we don't experience or we can't see or that they can even see in like maybe even a 360 degree view, like unlike yeah. like what we can do. Right. Um, and then and a there, lot of, there are all these commonalities. There are all these commonalities like that. And, and what I'm showing is that that's what God revealed in the Bible all along. So, so like, for instance, um, when, when people die, th these people that I've uh, interviewed or studied, they say, you leave your body, your physical body, but you still have a body. So you are still fully yourself, and in fact, more yourself than you've ever been, uh, which makes sense. We're limited here. This is, this is actually the, the shadow. That's the real thing. And so they say they were more alive than they've ever been, and not with five senses, more like 50 senses. Right. It's like, and, 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 you know, what convinced me actually that these were real is that many times they said they were still in the room and often up, up at the, like the top of the ceiling, looking down on their, the resuscitation efforts happening and interviewing cardiologists um, who had, didn't believe these near death experiences were real or true at all. But when they interviewed enough of their patients, they were convinced because the patients could tell them things about resuscitation, like this one doctor, uh, cardiologist, Dr. Sabum, that I interviewed said, he set out to disprove it. But they, like what they would describe, he said, I could use the tape of what they were saying happened to teach physicians how to do resuscitation. <laughs> wow. And, and they were able many times to see things that happen that can later be corroborated. 
So, so it's, it's literal evidence. Um, and there have even been studies done, you know, for instance, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Janice Holden did a study of, of 93 people who had near-death experiences who um, made observations. Each one make, may make, you know, five observations, 10 observations that could be checked out. And what she found is 96% of their observations were 100% accurate. 6% um, had, you know, one or two observations that were, you know, it didn't, it didn't check out. And she was very stringent on that. And only 2% didn't check out at all of the observations that they said they, they made. So that basically is corroborative evidence that they, they are comatose. They shouldn't be able to see or hear anything. And yet they're describing things they couldn't otherwise know. Now, interestingly, um, I believe that the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, actually had a near-death experience. Um, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 14, it says that he's in Lystra, it's a Greek city, and they, a mob turns on him and stones him to death, literally piles rocks on him. That's the way they killed people, right? And then it says they dragged him out of the city and left him for dead. And then the people, his friends around him say, he resuscitates, he gets back up and goes back into the city. Now, Paul writes about uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, he's talking about himself. And he says, 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but I was taken up to heaven. Now, why does he say in the body or out of the body? I don't know. Well, because we still have a body and we're still ourselves. And he says, I was taken up to heaven and I was, I was shown things inexplicable. I was told things that people are not allowed to tell. Which is interesting because near-death experiencers talk about that too, that they knew things there that then when they came back were veiled once again. They weren't allowed to tell them. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Now, Paul also talks about in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that the body, when we die, um, 1 Corinthians 15, that the body is sown into the ground, a natural body, but is raised a spiritual body, is sown in weakness, but is raised in power. So we, that we have powers beyond, you know, uh, is, is, is sown, you know, uh, in, in decay, but is raised in glory. And, and so you see all these kinds of things. And even like what you said, that people have these extrasensory, you know, like, like, um, they can see spectrum of light far beyond anything we've ever seen on earth, or they have telescopic vision. Well, interestingly, in uh, the book of Revelation, in one of the last chapters of the Bible in Revelation 21, John, one of Jesus' disciples, was taken to heaven, and he's shown some of the same things I chronicle and imagine heaven that these near-death experiencers have seen. And one of them is he says, I was up on a very high mountain and he's looking down at the city, but he's reading the, the names of what is in the foundation of the city. So how in the world can he read the names from up on a very high mountain? Telescopic vision, right? Mm -hmm. And there's things like that that are there. This, the most fascinating to me is the, the, the color spectrum and, and the light of heaven. So for instance, you have people all over the globe talking about, and even blind people. 
So one of the, like I write about several blind people. When blind people have a near-death experience, they can see. So uh, for instance, um, Vicky, uh, when she was 22, she has a car accident. She's, um, she's de dead, heart stopped. And she's up above her body watching them trying to resuscitate her in the hospital. And it takes her a while to figure out that's her because she's adjusting to sight or, or mind sight, whatever it is, you know, it's spiritual sight. And she realizes the long hair and the, the ring, she had an orange blossom on her ring. That's me. And she said they were freaking out, but she was completely calm. And she said, I've never been more at peace. And then she shoots up through the roof of the hospital. And she ends up going through, and some call it, this is another commonality, some call it a tunnel. Some say it's like a black uh, like tunnel. Some, it's a pathway of light. It's different. Some are just immediately in a play, in, a, in, a, in a, another place. But they travel. And in Imagine Heaven, I, I, I wonder, like, is that like a wormhole? You know, from our, our limited dimensionality into greater dimensionalities? I don't really know. But they, they tend to go through some kind of, pathway vicky gets to this place this like just beautiful garden like place you know and it's not unlike the beauty of earth and this is another commonality it's, there's grass there's trees there's birds there's flowers there's mountains there's valleys it's just gorgeous and there was a great uh, gathering of people there now here's the fascinating thing vicky said and light was coming out of everything and, and light was even coming out of the people there. And she said, but, and, and this is a blind person, okay? But, but that is a commonality of near-death experiencers all over the world, that the light they experience is coming out of things. It's not shining on things. But think about that. Where would a blind person ever hear on earth that light shines out of everything? It doesn't. They would hear that light shines on things. And yet here are blind people corroborating with, sighted people who have near-death experiences that but their light shines out of everything so here's the other thing that they say um that vicky said but but others corroborate it, it's not light like our light it's not light like that is hard to look at it's it's like the most beautiful light you can imagine and it's life and it's love all together so it's kind of like light and love uh and life are coming out of everything yeah i've even, heard go ahead even coming out of the people oh i'm sorry go ahead no i'm just saying I've, I've heard that before that the light is like a it's like a you get this feeling or this sense of this like unconditional love and a lot of people that have had near-death experiences just like you were saying um they typically have that feeling of peace and unconditional love and i think it i mean it should give us hope you know that oh incredible. that's what we got to look forward to yeah and he, and here's the here's the crazy thing i mean this is what just kind of geeks me out because it's 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 there it's been there for us to know so for instance the 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 light um the jewish prophet isaiah writes in 680 bc okay so this is almost 700 years before jesus ever comes right and he's writing of the 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 heaven to come this is isaiah chapter 60 and he says when we are there there's no need of the sun or the moon because the light the glory of god will be the light of heaven 
And then in Revelation 21, again, John is taken into heaven and he says, there's no sun or moon because the, the light of God, the glory of God is the light and the nations will walk in that light. And it's exactly what people are saying all over the world when they die clinically and have this experience of, of what's to come. Now think about this. Why is it that people say they see colors that, they, that, that you don't exist on this earth? Well, because the colors we see on this earth are the, the breakdown of the light spectrum of the sun. But what if the colors of heaven are the breakdown of the light spectrum of the light of God? It's going to be far greater than the sun. Right. I guarantee that. And, you know, uh, Jesus came to tell us that God is love. And he said, I came to give them life abundantly. Well, what if they're experiencing that love and that life in the light of God? You know, and, and, and all these things, God, God's been revealed. In other words, what I think is so cool about near-death experiences is I think they're just showing us the same God who's been trying to tell us all along. And, and it's an important thing to realize because people get, uh, like I did, uh, very wrong impressions of, of the God of the Bible. Some from judgmental Christians, <laughs> you know, quite honestly, and, and some from just, you know, uh, confusion about it. But God has been trying to say to us all along, he created every one of us to be his kids, to be his children. And, and God, there's no one who loves us more or is more for us. But the challenge is, um, God can't make us love him. So if God created us for love, he's got to give us freedom. And God, in fact, did give us freedom. So we can freely choose, and we all do, you know, either to seek God and follow God's will in ways or go, no, I want to be God. I want to call the shots. You know, it's, it's, it's my will in ways. And in this world, you know, we pretty much see a, wor a world of wills at war, right? So, yeah. but the cool thing is, just like you, you said, Dylan, is hope. I mean, the hope is that, you know, I mean, God, uh, God isn't, he's not making it difficult for us. Like truly what I found in all my study is that God has made it so simple. Anyone can know that they are right with him, that they are forgiven, that they are loved by him, and that, that heaven is their, is their hope and their eternal destiny. Because he paid for all our wrongs. That's what Jesus did. He paid for what justice requires so that God could be actually just in saying, I forgive you. Now, now, now come, you know, be, my, be my child. But he doesn't force that on us. What do you think the reason is we're here then to experience this life on earth? Well, that's a big question, <laughs> but I do. I, so, uh, so I do have a theory. Um, so stick with me if you can. Okay. So think about God's creativity, right? I mean, think about the billions of stars and galaxies, right? Think about the millions of animals. I mean, we are still discovering millions of new species of animals every year. Isn't that crazy? It you don't is. realize that, but we, we, we find millions of new species that we didn't even know about every year. 
So God is incredibly creative and loves the diversity of his creation. And God created species that um, before creating this earth. So I believe that's, that's true. Um, one species, or I don't know, there might be multiple, are angelic beings, right? So we don't become angels, angels of their own, their own species. But similar to humanity, angels have a free will. So they also were able to freely you know, interact with God in a, in a love kind of way. Um, if, you, if you believe what, uh, what the scriptures talk about, there were angels that made a choice to go their own way, to say, no, we want to be God. We, we want to call the shots. And, and God in his love and mercy, well, I think two things, God in his love and mercy, but also in eternal time, and again, it's, it's hard to comprehend, right? Because we only live in time moving in one direction. But in eternal time, and by the way, this is a commonality of near-death experiencers. So they say time doesn't work the same on the other side. And, yeah, and quantum physics doesn't say it does either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Peter, one of Jesus' disciples in 2 Peter 3, 8 says, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So it's, like I said, it's all there. Right. It's all there for anyone who wants to find it, Um, which is a part of the free will thing. (laughs) You got to want you got to want to seek. Right. But um, but what's really cool is that uh, um, uh, I'm I'm just derailed. Where was I going there? Oh, oh, my my theory of angels. Yeah. So so some angels made a choice, but an eternal choice is eternal. We live now in a succession of, of time. We live in limited time. So God gave them what they wanted, which was we want to rule without you, without your will and ways. And I believe what God is doing here is he created humanity, both for us to learn the knowledge of good and evil and to teach the angels the knowledge of good and evil who don't live in finite time, they live in eternity. So think about this. And, and, and by the way, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the story of the, of the Garden of Eden, right? It's, there, you know, we, we, we see this, you know, don't eat the apple from the tree, right? Well, there wasn't an apple. It, it, the Bible doesn't say anything about an apple. That's another one of those just kind of myths that creep in. It was don't taste of the knowledge of good and evil. So the story is God created us good for relationship with him. And the only thing he said is don't taste of evil because that was all that was missing. There was everything good. And so what is evil? Well, evil is turning away from the God who is the source of all love and light and every good thing. So, so, so here's the point. I believe that God has created this earth as a shrunk down experience of life so i don't think we are temporal creatures i think we were created eternal i think you and me and every human being is an eternal yeah i would agree with that but we are starting from a temporal existence for a reason and that temporal existence and and i think ndes clarify this i think the reason when people uh, you know, leave this life, they say, I have 50 senses. I mean, my experience is so heightened. 
Because I think God is giving us a finite, limited experience of both how good it can be and how bad it can be. But we think the suffering and the evils, and, and we blame God many times, right? That's the lie. Is like, you know, well, God, if you were good or loving, you wouldn't let all this horror and, and evil and suffering happen. Well, what if God is actually mercifully letting us taste a very small amount of how bad it can be? And it's not as good as it can be either, because this is the time of choosing. And all we have to do is choose God. All we have to do is choose I, I want relationship with you. And he says, done. I paid the price, done. But he's not, he's not going to force people. Because here, here's the thing. Like, imagine if I want someone to love me. I fall in love with her. I want her to love me. But she doesn't want to love me. How do I force her to love me? I mean, I could give her big gifts. I could, I could try to pay for her love. But what if she just hangs around because she likes the gifts, not me? Or I could put a gun to her head and go, love me. And, and we all know she might parrot loving things, but that's not love. Love has to be free. So I believe that we are in the existence of both good and evil for a short time, 100 years or less, to both choose God, but also to learn uh, and to teach the eternal angels who are still innocent. Some of them are still innocent that uh, to forever choose the love of God because he's good. And now forever we will, we will have in our history the knowledge of evil. But we didn't have to stay there forever, for eternity, because God gave us chance after chance after chance to learn and to choose, choose God. That's my theory. <laughs> That's an interesting theory. Very good. Well explained. Um, your church, the Gateway Church, is that, that's the name? Um, Gateway Church, Austin. What is the difference? There's, a, there's another Gateway Church, and that's not us. Okay. What is the difference between, because you said you kind of started it because um, maybe you weren't finding the answers that you were looking for. or So what is the difference between like your, your church and maybe a traditional one? Like, I mean, is, is the teachings different? Is it just that you have a, a different kind of focus? Well, I mean, yeah. So our, our motto, our mottos are come as you are, uh, you know, that, because that's, that's where God accepts all of us as is, you know, like it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, you know, your, your screw ups, your hang ups, your addictions. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, God accepts us as is so that we come back into right relationship with the source so that we can walk toward life. And so we're trying to create a space like that for people. And we know that people have questions and, and doubts. And so we say doubters welcome. I mean, that was me. I was an engineer. You know, I had all kinds of like, how do you know this is true? And I, and I still, that's the way I, I mean, you can tell. I've, I've asked a lot of questions. and I've tried to answer a lot of questions. I don't have every answer. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get every answer. But there are really good answers. And, and so that's, we, we tried to create a church you know, where it was okay to struggle, it was okay to doubt, and where people don't play games. So we say no perfect people allowed. And, and, and the idea is that sometimes, the truth is all of us, we do play games. You know, we put the front up, we put the face on. We try to look a little bit better, you know, than we really are. We don't really say what's really going on. And when we do that, we just stay stuck. 
And when people do that in churches, then it gets really ugly. That's where you get judgmental, hypocritical, you know, crap, quite honestly. It's like, right. it's, it's, it's hurt and turned off so many people. But, uh, but honestly, Dylan, it's nothing new. I mean, it was the religious of Jesus' day who were playing games, but they were hiding behind religion for what was really going on, and they were really doing a power play, and they ended up crucifying Jesus. So it's nothing new, right? So we're just trying to strip all that away and go, look, it's, it's not about religion. It's about relationship with God. Jesus said this, two commands sum up everything, love God and love people. And so we're trying to strip everything else away and help people come to know, okay, well, who is God? And, and how do you love God? And then how do you let him teach you to love people, even when it's not easy? And that's the key. <laughs> in your writings, or maybe even in your research, what is one or two maybe really compelling NDE stories um, that you, you could share with the audience? Well, um, that Vicky one, the, the blind one, uh, you know, really, really is. She, I mean, just to continue hers, and I'll share another one too, but, you know, so she's in this, this beautiful heavenly-like, garden-like place, and she grew up in a, in a home for blind kids, um, uh, and blind and special needs kids. And um, she sees her, her two excuse me, friends, Debbie and Diane, who had died at age nine and 11. And they're coming toward her. And yet they're, she said they were whole and healthy and in the prime of life. So they're, I don't know what that meant. It's interesting. Many people say, you know, what age are we there? And they say, you know, late 20s, 30. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. Actually, I think people can appear at different ages at what, what I was going to say, you could probably be whatever age you want. I, I think that's true from, from what I've, I've studied. Um, but kind of, kind of the prime of life. I'm saying 29, it was a good year for me. <laughs> so, but, uh, but they, they are whole and healthy. And, um, and she said, and, and made of light. So this is an interesting thing about near death experiences is common is we can appear to each other just like we are now. So completely like physical, dressed in, you know, uh, a, gall, a, a bank president that I, I, I studied and interviewed, his NDE, he said in, in heaven he was dressed in his, gol his favorite golf <laughs> slacks and shirt, right? And then he sees all these people from all these different nations and they're dressed in their kind of traditional garb of that country or in some cases tribe or wherever. And I think we can appear to each other as is common but just like on earth you don't wear the same thing or look the same thing all the time and and you don't have to appear the same way and so debbie uh, she's uh, vicky this blind person in her nde sees debbie and diane lights coming out of them well interestingly jesus said this jesus said in my you know when when my father's kingdom comes um those, the, they will shine like the stars forever in my father's kingdom. Daniel, Old Testament prophet said the same. They'll be resurrected to a new life and, and shine like the stars of heaven. Well, imagine this. Imagine if that light coming out of us is actually experiencing the very life and love of God that we share in, which is an amazing thought. It's actually 
I think when, when Jesus uh, took three of his disciples up on the mountain, of, it was called the mountain of transfiguration. And he says, I want you to see me as I really am. And he suddenly becomes brighter than the sun and is, is transfigured. Well, uh, imagine sharing in that. So anyway, she experiences the people like that. And then to her right, she sees the light brighter than the sun. And she looks to her right and it's Jesus. And, and, and she knows him. And, and he comes up to her and she describes what he looks like. Now, she describes kind of what we would imagine, you know, a guy with shoulder length hair and, and a beard and kind of like a robe. And, um, and, and, but light coming out of his beard, she said. And he hugs her. And she said, but it was a hug. And this is another common thing. It was a hug so much deeper than any hug ever goes on earth. It was like he went into me and I went into him. And I don't know what she meant by that exactly, but it was kind of like a merging, a, a, a complete kind of like, and, and she said in his presence, and this is common too, she said, he, his eyes, he looked into me and he saw everything. She said, but it wasn't scary. I wanted him to see everything. And I've never felt so loved or so accepted in my entire life. And people say it was like being home, like you're finally home. You're finally where you belong. Right. And then he, and this is another commonality in the presence of God, people get what's called a life review. So uh, Vicky gets a life review. And this life review is typically like a a three-dimensional panoramic watching your life replay. But you're not just watching what you do. You're watching your interaction with every person. And you're not only remembering and re-experiencing what you thought and felt, you're experiencing what they thought and felt too. And so God is showing you the ripple effect of every kind act, every little kind act, but also of the not so kind acts and how it affected people, but also how it rippled through humanity. Right. So here's the fascinating thing. In her life review, Vicki saw herself growing up with Debbie and Diane in this children's home. And so when she came back, when she was resuscitated, she was actually able, the researcher that uh, was researching these blind ex- near-death experiences interviewed the house mother from what she was saying, and the house mother corroborated because Vicky was able to explain how Debbie and Diane looked and walked because they, they, they struggled to be able to walk or to be able to, and how they looked. Right. And it all checked out. Wow, that's compelling stuff there. Yeah. Another, another just fascinating one to me are some of the ones that didn't expect to see Jesus, and yet they did. So, for instance, when, when I was on um, a major news show uh, in, in New York, right afterwards, I get uh, an email from, um, from a, a Jewish woman. She's a nurse in Los Angeles, and she emails me, and she says, you know, I don't know who you are. I've never read your book, but um, that happened to me. I, when I was 16, my horse fell back on me and, and crushed me and I died. And Jesus was there with me. I've never told anyone that. Thanks. <laughs> and so I reach out to her and I was like, oh, you got to tell me more. And, and so what was fascinating is that Heidi she grew up in an agnostic, atheist, Jewish family. 
So they, they were Jewish traditionally, but her dad was really pretty agnostic atheist. And, but she always believed in God. It was, it was actually a, a, not a great home. Uh, and, and, and she's, you know, she went through a lot, but she always believed there was a God and she always prayed to God. And she always felt as a kid, like this, this sense of comfort, like God was there with her in the room when she prayed to him. So when her horse crushes her, she leaves her body. She, you know, she's 16. She's up, she said 30 feet in the air and she's watching her sisters just freak out. And her thought was, oh, I hate it that my sisters have to see this. But she felt great. And then she says it was an overcast day, but she sees almost like, like this bright light starting to light everything up. And she looks to her right and she said, there's Jesus. Brighter than the sun, but not hard to look at. And she said, and I knew him instantly. She said, it, it wasn't like I was saying, you know, what's a good Jewish girl like me doing with a Jesus rabbi like this? You know? She said, no. I knew him instantly, um, like I had always known him. And later, in, I'll tell you another really cool thing about Heidi's story in a second, but later in her life review, when Jesus gives her her life review, she sees that when she was praying to God, he was the one sitting there on her bed. He showed her that I, he was there with her in the room when she wow. was praying to him. Wow. So then this is, so this is the part I love because uh, – I grew up surfing, okay? <laughs> and and uh, Heidi tells me this, and I was just like, no, tell me that again. <laughs> so think about this. So she's a 16-year-old, and she and Jesus are sitting there. Uh, they're, they're talking. And by the way, communication is thought-to-thought, heart-to-heart. Some call it telepathic. But they say it's much, much more than that. And this is the commonality, right? Um, and, and so Jesus is communicating with her. And she said, it's, you know, it's like you would talk to your best friend. You know, it's not like God is this far removed, you know, hard to, hard to communicate, hard to understand. That gets us completely. And, and, and so they're talking about stuff. And then he gets this big grin on his face. All right. Now think about it. She's a 16-year-old kid, right? He gets this big grin on his face, grabs her hand. He says, watch this. And she said, they took off, they shot out like, and she said, all I can describe it is imagine like riding a wave of light, like surfing a wave of light, the light. And she said, I could feel it underneath my feet, but we were flying across the universe. (laughs) And, uh, and she goes on to have, you know, uh, all kinds of amazing experiences. Uh, with, with Jesus. And then, he, and then he says, which is another commonality, you have to go back. Sometimes I find they say that, that God says to them, um, you know, and, and, and by the way, sometimes God reveals, they, they realize that Jesus and God are, are the same. Sometimes this, only this bright, brilliant God of light who is love, right? But again, I mean, that's exactly... Um, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You know, whoever walks with me will never walk in darkness because they'll have the light of life. And, and Paul, you know, who I said before was writing, wrote most of the New Testament, was actually killing Christians. He's on his way to kill Christians. This is in Acts chapter 10 of the Bible. 
And this blinding light appears to him on the Damascus road and he falls to his knees and, and he realizes this is God. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm the one you're persecuting. And, and then, you know, that's when Paul kind of has his come to Jesus moment uh, and ends up going and, you know, he writes much of, of the New Testament. Like I said, ends up other, also, I think, having a near-death experience later. But Heidi has to go back. And, uh, and, and many of them, you know, hear that. Like, you still have a purpose to fulfill. You have to go back. Well, that's, that was what I was going to ask you. So, you know, you talk about like the veil being maybe lifted again to where they can't necessarily remember. But oftentimes, though, have you heard of instances where when they do get back, they feel like they understand their purpose better or they have more of like a mission in life kind of thing? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, one, one of the other things that, you know, just makes me think these near-death experiences are, are a real something you know when you have a hallucination or you know some kind of drug induced something or another it's not life altering forevermore usually right and maybe in a bad way but not in a good way right but many of these people do they come back and for instance if they were really like caught up and trying to get their identity out of material things or prove their worth or all that there's a there's a new sense of wait i'm okay I yep. am loved. They're definitely more spiritual. Definitely more spiritual. Definitely realize, and they realize two things. They realize God is love, and how we love one another is what matters most to him. The way we treat one another. And even what they see in this life review is that, you know, the biggest part of our purpose or our mission is how we treat the people around us, how we use our gifts, our resources, and all that and just love the people around us. And that if we would all follow God's will in doing that, we would have a radically different world. But we all get caught up trying to prove ourselves, you know, that I'm worth something through all these other things, and we neglect just simply using what we have been given to love and care about the people around us. But if we would all do that, and we would all see the masterpiece God has created in each one of us, which is what I think he wants us to see. We're worth so much to him. He wouldn't hold, there's nothing he would hold back from us. That's what Jesus said he came to demonstrate, that as much as a human can give, God in human flesh gave, because that's what we're worth to him. So they do come back and have that sense, but here's an interesting thing. So one of the most telling ones, but it, it, it's not uncommon. Randy Kay um, was a guy that I interviewed who he was a CEO of, a, of a, a pharmaceutical company actually bringing an Alzheimer's drug to market. He was, in, he was on the cover of Time Magazine. Then he has a near-death experience. And in it, he experiences walking with Jesus in this heavenly realm. And uh, you know what's so, what's so interesting, Dylan, is these guys, uh, um, you know, like they're commercial airline pilots, they're doctors, they're CEOs, they're bank presidents. When they talk about being in the presence of God, the memory is not like a memory here. It's, it's a memory in here. It's as real today as it was then. And when they talk, try to talk about what it was like to be in the presence of love itself, these, these, these men cry. They can't hold back the tears. They're like overwhelmed. Their emotions are overwhelmed every time. So I joke with them like, Let's see if just one time 
you know, like we're not going to go there because they can't go any farther, you know. Right. But Randy says, Jesus told him, you got to go back. You still have a purpose to fulfill. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to go. I'm not going back, you know. And this is the other cool thing is like these people regularly argue with God, <laughs> you know, which again, it's like we can be ourselves. We can talk to him about anything. And, and he says, and he says, no, you need to go back. And, and, and he says, okay, well then tell me what my purpose is. So I'll, I'll know what I'm doing. And he says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you because you would try to get out ahead of me and do it without me. And I don't want you to do it without me. I want you to do it with me. So go back and you just walk with me and you'll know day by day what you need to do. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. Now, now, now think about that, Dylan. You know what that means is we all try to prove ourselves in this world. But we try to prove ourselves to people. And that gets us in all kinds of crap. It gets us in all kinds of trouble and problems. I mean, it's the root of so many addictions, you know, of broken relationships and abuse and wounding. And then we're, we're trying to prove that we're worth love, but we are love. And, and instead, you know, if we can just walk in that love daily, then, then what happens is we can all succeed in life. We don't have to go prove we're wonderful to the world. We just have to be faithful to what God wants us to do each moment of the day. You know, I love the way the recovery, I think the recovery movement got it right, right? What's the next right, you know, not my will today, God, your will be done. You know, because what they say in the, in the big book is self-will run riot. That's our problem. And first we had to give up playing God and their daily prayer in recovery is, you know, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to seek your will only today. Now what's the next right thing for me to do? And then just do the next right thing. It's that simple, you know? And, and the beautiful thing is none of us get it right. So we screw up, we fail consistently, but that is why God wants us to know what he did for us in Jesus. So that, cause it says, because of what Jesus did, there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Go read it. Romans 8, 1. One of my favorite verses. There's no condemnation from God. Because the lie in our heads is that, oh, I screwed up. Oh, God doesn't want to hear from me. God's mad at me. And we run and hide from him. But the way we live our purpose is just living in that love and just going, okay, what's the next right thing? And when we screw up, don't keep running away. Just turn back and go, thank you. You, you. you forgive me. Man, what a gift. I don't deserve it, but thank you. It's such a beautiful way to live. I mean, I mean honestly, Dylan, it's, it's, it's what radically changed my life. You know, I told you at the start, I would never have thought I would be a, a public speaker, pastor, or author. And yet it was just that simple day by day. Um, and it's been such a cool adventure. I know we're kind of pressed for time here, but can we touch a little bit on your written work um, other than the, the one book that you touched on? What is, what is some of the stuff that, you know, you kind of talk about in your books, kind of let the audience know? Um, yeah. So in, uh, I wrote a book called Soul Revolution, and it really is about some of the stuff I was just saying uh, that, you know, we all have struggles. And, and God, God knows those struggles, but how do we learn to just walk with God? How do we learn to hear God? Because I've never once heard an audible voice from God. 
And yet I have chronicled this most amazing journey of watching God work in my life. You can call them coincidences, but I keep having them. And I've seen it, that when you follow, and so Soul Revolution is a 60-day experiment of, hey, just try this and watch what happens. Watch how you start to see the evidence that, oh man, God's really with me and he really is leading and guiding me. And so Soul Revolution is, um, that's what I wrote it for that to help. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, I like to say this, like we tend to think if God would just tell me, right. Um, and we want to hear something like we're hearing now, but right now I'm trying to get all my thoughts into you guys' heads. And I have to use my voice and the English language and your ears. And, and some of my thoughts may be getting into your mind, but you may be thinking about other things. You may be rejecting my thoughts it'd be much more direct if I could just put all my thoughts right in your mind. And then you could, you know, you'd have them. Now you can still, you could still go, well, that's a stupid thought and push it away. But that'd be more direct communication. That's how God can communicate with us. He can just put his thoughts directly in our minds. You know, it's, it's, the, it's kind of the telepathic communication of heaven, right? It's just mind to mind, heart to heart. But Jesus said this, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Which means, I mean, we all have these things on the sides of our heads. It means we have to develop a spiritual kind of hearing. So that's what Soul Revolution is about. Um, I wrote another book uh, called Unshockable Love, which is really, uh, I, honestly, I was trying to help Christians uh, who can tend to be judgmental toward people who, um, you know, kind of be inside, outside us versus them. And I was trying to show them that's not what Jesus was like at all. Um, that Jesus really sees this, God sees this masterpiece. He's an artist. God's an artist. And he created each of us as a, his masterpiece. Now, the reality is we've all been damaged, stained, torn, <laughs> but he wants, he's in the process of restoring his masterpiece. But what we Many times we as humans just cause more damage to one another because we don't see the masterpiece in each other that God sees. And that's really what God wants us to do is work with him to call that out in each other. So that's what Unchuckable Love's about. Excellent, John. Well, it's been a great discussion. Where can the audience um, find your written work? And maybe more importantly, where can they get a hold of you and just check you out? Yeah, so imagineheaven.net. Um, is the website that uh, that's for Imagine Heaven? Some of the interviews and stuff there, uh, and they can they can contact me through that. Um, my books are all out on you know Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you can get books. And uh, then uh, GatewayChurch.com is the is the church that I lead. Yeah, and you can join us any Sunday. We're online. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show, John. It's been a oh, good, great discussion. Me, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for the show, Reality Searchers. Remember, question everything and search for your own truths. I now leave you with a quote from Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Thanks for listening, guys.